Hello everyone, good morning. This is the uh, Empire of the Cop Insider. Today we're obviously joined by Neil Jones once again. Uh, we're going to talk about all things surprisingly, all things Liverpool, but obviously coming off the back of, of what happened at Chelsea yesterday, I suppose you take a draw at Stamford Bridge any season really, wouldn't you? I think after that first 20 minutes when Salah's offside goal goes in, you think we're going to steamroll them and, and win 4-0, but we end up coming away with a draw and they're probably thinking the same if, if Chilwell's goals allowed when it's um, another draw between Liverpool and Chelsea. But before we delve into all the transfer shenanigans that have gone on and what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, just what were your thoughts on the game yesterday and impressed with the new lads? What, what, what did you think? Yeah, well, I thought it was a good start and a good finish. I, I would suggest for, for Liverpool, probably in between, it was you know a bit of a back-to-the-wall job. Um, I agree with you. You know, I think when when Liverpool went one 0 up and when Mo Salah went through, I think if that goal stands, if he's just just onside and he wasn't far off, was he? And you know, it was very tight. I think if that goal stands, I think Liverpool do go on and win the game, and it looks like a really good start to the season. But got to give a bit of credit to Chelsea. I think you know they were they were up against it to start with. They were, you know, they were the ones who were on the back foot, and I I thought they looked a bit disorganised. And credit to them, they got themselves together and. And really made a, an impact on the game, and yeah, I think I think there was enough in it for both sides. I think to come away and say, you know, that's not the worst result in the world, not the worst performance in the world. Um, and from a Liverpool perspective, definitely, you know, like you said, the first thing you said is a draw at Chelsea is very rarely a bad result. It probably was last season, given all their struggles. But I think with everything going on this season and all the you know all the changes they've made and all the sort of new direction of travel that they're looking to go in, I think a, a draw at Stamford Bridge is a more than um, Acceptable way to start the season, and had you know a deflection gone their way, a VAR decision gone their way, or Alexis McAllister found that pass for Darwin late on, Liverpool could easily have won the game. So I think there's, um, I think you know, it's not, a, you know, what you would call a sort of a, a convincing start to the season in the sense of you know it doesn't answer all the questions that people have about the club, but it's certainly a, a, an acceptable one, and you know go, takes them into Bournemouth next week with a, a, a chance to make it a pretty decent start. Oh, definitely. I think you know we've had a, we, we obviously buy players who are versatile enough to play in different positions, and but I think if you look at that midfield yesterday, on the face of it, it's two attacking midfielders and a striker playing in midfield, isn't it? So. You've got to expect that we were going to be exposed a couple of times, and you know maybe if it, I might say a name that you've probably heard about four million times in the last couple of days, but maybe if a Moises Caicedo's there, it's a different game. But we obviously now know that, that that's not going to happen. But both teams there did seem to be crying out for a, a defensive midfielder, and I think it's safe to say that it looks like Chelsea are not only going to sign Caicedo, but they're now all get, also get linked with Lavia. So. I think Liverpool fans are going to be scratching their heads of, of where we go next. But if we just start with maybe the, the man who's been talked about more than anyone else in the last week or 48 hours, however long it's been, um, what what's other than he's probably going to Chelsea, what's probably your update on, on what happened between you know, us agreeing a deal to last night we see and that Chelsea have now agreed a deal to sign him? Yeah, I mean, well, he is going to Chelsea. I mean, that's that's pretty much confirmed, um, even if it isn't by the by the club itself. And by Brighton, but it um, it's it's a really sort of it's 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 in one way it's really complicated, in one way it's really straightforward. You know, Chelsea have obviously been leading this race for for a long, long time. Um, you know, they've been putting up what you would imagine an awful lot of groundwork with the agent, with the player, 
Um, they've had bids, obviously, with Brighton as well. Liverpool have obviously got into a situation. It's it's escalated as the as the summer's gone on, where they need a player of that that type, that caliber. Um, they obviously lost players they didn't expect to lose in in Fabinho and Jordan Henderson, and I think they've sniffed an opportunity with Caicedo. That you know, look, Chelsea haven't agreed a deal. I think they've probably been given some encouragement by Brighton or by someone that Chelsea maybe was struggling to agree a deal, and that there was possible that you could you could come in and you know. Ask a question, and I mean to be honest, it was actually what I called for Liverpool to do in, in in articles I wrote early in the summer. I called for them to to risk looking stupid, um, you know, by going after the best and sort of you know putting themselves in in those races as opposed to sort of scratching around for imperfect options. And I mean, come Thursday, I think everyone was sort of getting really excited by the idea that Liverpool were going to make their move. They clearly had had some encouragement from the players' side, that there was a chance that he would come to Liverpool. The deal was agreed. And, I mean, when we all woke up on Friday, I know I did, I was going to Jürgen Klopp's press conference at 10 o'clock on Friday and thinking, wow, we're going to get sort of a big, you know, chat about what Moises Casado is going to bring to Liverpool, you know, the type of player he's going to be and what a great sign it is. And the mood changed, didn't it? And it was clear that it wasn't a done deal. It wasn't as a straightforward as it might have sounded when you hear that a deal's been agreed with Brighton. And it was clear that Chelsea weren't going away. And I think it was what's happened since is the player or the player's representatives or both have made it clear to Liverpool that Chelsea was the direction he wanted to head in. And it was down to them to, to put the package together for Brighton to accept. And once that was done, there was no uh, no comeback for Liverpool. Yeah, well, actually, we, we've seen that out. It- the bids that were supposed to be coming in were from us from 110 mil and then it was 111 mil and then just on the pure financial side you see everything in every rumour going everywhere on Twitter but they're saying that the financial fair play rules mean Chelsea can only bid 105 so then you think we've done a great job we've we've now meant that they can't even match us without exposing themselves and possible points deductions and then you start seeing that, that no, they're actually going to bid 115 mil and obviously I think we all understand that Chelsea are probably going to try and sell a few more players to make this happen. But is that how are they getting around these financial fair play things? It just just seem to be one rule for them and one rule for everyone else. Yeah, no, I think it's very complicated. I actually don't know what the, what the situation is with Chelsea and financial fair play. I know they've sold a lot of players this summer. And they're planning to sell a lot more. You know, they've sold obviously people like Mendy. Kante's gone off the off the wage bill. They sold um, Pulisic. Went in the and you know they've still got. Players like Lukaku and Armando Brower and Callum Hudson Odoi, Conor Gallagher potentially who played yesterday, who they want to, want to get rid of. So they've Kepa, another one obviously. Um, so they've got, you know, a lot of assets that they're trying to shift. They've obviously agreed the deal with Brighton. It's got a lot of add-ons in it. It's not, a, you know, it's not all of the money up front. Um, there's add-ons linked to European qualification, to how many appearances and how successful Caicedo is as a, as a Chelsea player. There's always workarounds for it, but I think a lot of people are looking and saying, well, Chelsea spent, you know, <laughs> we look at the money they spent in January alone, you know, it was remarkable really when you, you're thinking that Madueke and um, Mudrick were on the bench yesterday and they were obviously big signings in, in January. You've signed Badia Chile in January, who's injured. They signed Fafana last last season, who's injured, you know, for mega money. Um Disarcy's come in recently, obviously, and you know he's Robert Sanchez who, who made the debuts. So 
and they've got links with with other players as well, you know, with with um, with Lavia, of course. So it does feel like the they're, they're sailing pretty close to the wind. And I know they had this sort of um, work around a while back with long term contracts, you know, eight and nine years, which I think is the case with Caicedo, but that's been capped, you know, in terms of UEFA um, rules that you can only spread that kind of amortization over five years. So. They'll be finding a way around somewhere. These clubs tend to tend to be pretty smart in those kind of things. But Chelsea is certainly one of those those clubs, and there's a few in the Premier League who are sailing pretty close to the wind. And I think there'll be a lot of Liverpool fans hoping that they, um, yeah, they they, they capsize. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe maybe we don't say that out loud, but yeah, though I agree. Um, so Romeo Lavia, I think, is probably the next one we go on to, just because he seemed like the one we were going to sign for months, and then. Now, if you hear maybe from his perspective, you've seen both Liverpool and Chelsea clearly have a preference over someone else, and then you think maybe that opens the door for us. But the rumours at the moment, if you if you believe everything you see again, is that he's more likely to go to Chelsea. You know, it, is that possible for them? I know we've just it's hard to know the financial things, but is it possible they're going to sign both of them, or is Liverpool still on the cards, or, or what's going to happen with him basically? Yeah, I mean, I think it looks again. It looks like Chelsea have sort of nipped in. It looks like they they've got themselves in a position where they're, they're closer to agreeing a deal with Southampton. And I think the player, you know, I, I don't think the player's got necessarily a, a huge preference. I think he would have joined either if, if a deal was done. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that does it raises a very interesting point about the financials. But it also raises one about Lavia as well. You know, he's joining a, a, a club that's. He's going to be competing with two hundred million pound plus midfielders to, to, to play games. You know, Enzo Fernandez came in in, in January. Um, Caicedo is obviously going to come in, in in August, and and they're going to bring in a younger player in, in Lavia. Now they don't have a, a great deal of midfield uh, or a great many number of midfield options. We saw Conor Gallagher playing there yesterday, and for all his his attributes, and he's not a bad player. You know, he, I think central midfield and sort of doing all the, all the defensive side is not his his game really. They've got a couple of younger players in, um, Andre Santos and oh, Chuck Waker, who's a bit more of an attack-minded player. But it is, from a Lavia perspective, it is one that you, you know, if you were looking at it and you had the straight choice, both sides had agreed the deal. I'd be looking at Liverpool and saying, I think I'm more likely to get straight into the team at, the, at Liverpool than I am at Chelsea, given given what's happened. Um, but as of now, and it is only what. Ten past eight on a Monday. As of now, there's been no sign that Liverpool have got any closer to, to doing that deal. They they had three bids rejected. There hasn't been a fourth, to my knowledge, yet. Uh, accepted or rejected, and I think that's what it all depends on. Really, are Liverpool going to go put that money on the table, or are they going to take that Caicedo sort of money and look at a more established target? And I think the big question, if the, if it's the latter, is who is it? Because Jurgen Klopp said, you know, the market's gone crazy. Jürgen Klopp said earlier this summer that there's not a great amount of sort of number six players obviously available, or high class ones obviously available now. So, who would it be? You know, your guess is as good as mine in that regard. <laughs> uh, well, that's the only reason we got you on, so you might as well go now, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're all looking, aren't we? I mean, we can all look. I, I like, listen, I like Florentino Luis of Benfica. I think he's a really good player. There's obviously a lot of people tell me in, in France that. Yusuf Fafana from Monaco is a, good, a really good player. I wouldn't be entirely against Sofian Amrabat from Fiorentina, but I'd, I wouldn't have him down as my sort of long-term solution in, in that regard. The one that probably a lot of people would look at and say, OK, is there a possibility? 
would be Schumani from from Real Madrid, given there was interest in the past, given that he, he hasn't really yet set the world alight and nailed down his position. You know, could there be a deal to be done there? I it feels unlikely, but are Liverpool asking the question? I would hope so. But beyond that, you're looking at sort of imperfect options, aren't you? You're looking at either younger players like Lavia, or you're looking at maybe players who you you know, they're decent players, but they're not sort of elite level that like you you know, like like I say, Amrabat or Calvin Phillips or those kind of players, you know. West Ham have just signed Edson Alvarez. He, he might have been one that you might have looked at. Gio Palina before he'd done his shoulder. But there's not a sort of... It's not like when you when you sort of... You look at Caicedo, you think, well, yeah, that's obvious, isn't it? Just do that one. Just try and get Caicedo. The others are all sort of... There's problems around them all, isn't there? And I, I think it's it's fascinating for Liverpool. And I think the other the other thing... I mean, you might This might be something we were going to talk about from yesterday's game. I think it was interesting when Daniel Sturridge asked Trent Alexander-Arnold yesterday, he said, do you fancy a go in midfield? And Trent said, I'd be up for it. And he said, well, if and when that decision comes, I'll, I'll learn on the job. It just does raise the unlikely scenario, but still a scenario that might be worth considering for Liverpool, that they do just use Trent in a, in a sort of two-man midfield, you know, and, and, and a four-man forward line or a number 10 in front of them. And they try and buy a right back because I think that might just be a little bit easier than finding a you know a, a, a number six that you can hang your hat on. Yeah, well, I think obviously you said before about Lavier, he, he must look at the Liverpool situation, and if he's offered both, he'd think I'm more likely to get a game playing for Liverpool than I will for Chelsea. And I think you would have thought the same for Caicedo as well, especially after teams agree of fate. But obviously, we know neither of them are going to happen, but. Everyone in the market now knows Liverpool's probably top budget, don't they? So it's we've played our hand, and it feels like we can be fleeced because we're a team that really needs one, maybe two midfielders. We've got exactly at least 111 million miles to spend, and anyone yeah. who comes in, you're just going to bump the price up, aren't you? And we've seen like Bellingham and, and Rice go for less than that fee, and we've probably, if we'd uh, had the foresight, but obviously, you don't know Henderson and Fabinho are going to get sold. But if we'd known that ahead and spent that money, you probably look at that Bellingham deal in about five years' time and say it was an absolute bargain, you know, and it's something yeah. that we couldn't order me. And so it's yeah, it's I know you've mentioned a few different. names there. It is different. if you're not if you're not buying from the Premier League, it's a bit different. You know, the Brighton are obviously a club that's in a very good financial position. They they got Caicedo to agree a new contract in January that, that protected that value. So he it is an inflated fee for, for someone like Caicedo. And, and you know, even Lavia, you know, Southampton has obviously got Assets that they're selling that, that's that's offsetting their relegation problem, but they've had Premier League money for for many years. So, I think it's a bit different if you're buying from outside the Premier League. I don't think clubs can sort of readily demand 110 million for for sort of 50 million pound players. You know, I think that you can there are deals to be struck. But you're right; it does. I mean, if if even taking away the financials of of it all, what it does do is it it alerts the whole world that right, okay, there's two two and a bit weeks now. Till, till the window closes and Liverpool still haven't got someone, that definitely means that you'll get, you know, agents, clubs pushing the luck and seeing how just how desperate Liverpool are. Yeah, and you know, it's it's gonna if it hasn't been already, it's gonna be a mad couple more weeks for us of, of midfield targets and that. And I've got, I've got a list here. We've got the likes of I, I think you've mentioned a couple, you know, on Empire of Hop and Shadow before we talked about Florentino, Luis, Czech Decore, Tuzumeli, you've just said I know you did mention a few names there, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold you to it. But if you do think we were gonna go for someone, is there someone in mind, or is it gonna be another shock one that we're not linked with at all at the moment? 
yeah, <laughs> I, I, mean, I could easily be that, and you know, I, I, I would, I would quite like that to be honest. I, I like those kind of ball from the blue deals. I think you have to look at the players that they've sort of, they've, they've. We know that they're interested, and you mentioned that I forgot about him, but Ducore from from Palace. Yet yeah, I think there's a there's, there's a possibility that Liverpool might look at him. He's 23. He's a he's a defensive midfielder. He's a he's someone who pretty adept at stopping counter attacks. He's maybe not as progressive as you know Caicedo or, or Lavia in terms of on the ball, but I think you have to consider him. I think Ryan Gravenberg from 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 Bayern Munich. I mean, I don't. I quite like the idea of him joining Liverpool, but I'm not sure about him as a sort of a starting number six. You know, I think he's a bit maybe more of a number eight. But there's interest there from Liverpool, so you have to you have to put him in the equation as well. Um, but yeah, Decore from from Palace again. You're talking about a, a, a big fee. Probably won't go as big as Caicedo, um, and he's probably not as good as Caicedo. You know, with with his higher ceiling. But I think he's one that yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule him out as a as a you know Liverpool stepping up their interest in there because there isn't a great deal. I mean, I, you know, you you do that thing where you, you you go through the Premier League start 11s, don't you? And you have a little look and see, right? Okay, who'd you who'd you nip out of out of here and there? And there wasn't a great deal. I mean, I looked at Yves Basuma starting for Spurs and thought, okay, well, he you know he'd have been out of the side and not really getting games. That might have been one that Liverpool would look at. They'd liked him in the past. There's a couple at Aston Villa that maybe you know. But Villa are pretty well off and pretty sort of settled and going in the right direction, despite Saturday's Saturday's thrashing at Newcastle. You know, Bubakar Kamara or um, Douglas Luiz. There's a possibility, but yeah, Decore is probably the more likely of the the Premier League options, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I think there's obviously been a couple more names. Just one there, I think it's come up this morning a bit. Is um, you have to forgive me because I need to read this because my pronunciation is terrible. Ibrahim Shankar, I believe. Oh, yeah. is how you say. It. SV, I think it's a thirty-two million pound release clause. Again, I know it's hard to know, but you know what you know about him. Would you reckon he'd be a good fit? Yeah. Well, I know that he was obviously Liverpool went to PSV in January and bought Cody Gakpo, and there was there was a sort of a thinking behind why they did Cody Gakpo. I mean, it was it was on Boxing Day, wasn't it, that they agreed that deal? You know, late late December rather than January, even. So there was a reason they were they were so keen to do it. One that they liked the player. Two that they, they they worried that Sangare and as it was Madueke, who was at PSV at the time, that they were going to be sold, and that would obviously impact their willingness or the price that they would sell Gakpoa. So Liverpool clearly see Sangare as someone who's going to move on to a bigger and better club. I shouldn't say that. Sorry, PSV and Open fans, a bigger club. Um, but whether it's whether it's Liverpool level, I mean it's a big step from the the editor VC. You know, he's he's been there, he's played in a few different positions, he's he's done well. He's he's been linked with Liverpool before, I think maybe eighteen months ago, two years. Um thirty two million's not you know, it's not out of anyone's hitting zone, is it in, in the in the Premier League sitting out of Liverpool's, but the question is can he come straight into the side, play games from the off? Is he a number six that's gonna, you know, fit with Liverpool's um Needs and you could see what their needs were at Stamford Bridge yesterday. They need someone to to cover space. They need someone to to break up counter attacks. They need someone who can pass the ball forwards. You know, you saw the good side of Alexis McAllister in that role. You know, when he the way he moves the ball around the corner quickly and he might, where he gets the ball moving forward quickly. You know, they need someone. They don't want to take that away from from the team. They want someone who's able to do that as well. So yeah, he, he's one. Listen. They're all. I think anyone who plays number six in Europe at this moment in time who's under the age of twenty-five, I think they're one to watch in, in regards to, to Liverpool. Um, Sangari's obviously got big potential, and yeah, it wouldn't be an amazing 
um, move if he was to come to the Premier League? Yeah, well, as you said, I think everyone's got to be linked to him. Maybe we just look at a, a couple of people inside our club. John Henry was there yesterday. Uh, him, maybe not the most popular man, especially if you go on Twitter. But obviously, we, we read things again that you say, like, he, he left America with us leading the race. And when he landed, we were out of the race for Caicedo. So... I'm not sure if you would know, but do you know why he was there yesterday or what his feelings are on, on this current midfield hunt? Yeah, I think he was just he was attending the game, wasn't he, with with, with his wife? I mean, he, he, he's done that. His last game he attended was in London. I think it was en route to a... I think I saw it yesterday. It was en route to a family holiday. So I think it obviously feels big when he when he attends. I'm, I'm sure there would have been conversations between him and the manager. I'm not sure how in-depth those conversations would be about transfer targets or budgets or, or whatever. He, he has, you know, the owners tend to leave that to the person who's running the club and Mike Gordon is, is that person. Obviously, George Schmadke, Schmadke sorry, um, is the, the new sporting director and he's feeding into that thing. But, of course, I mean, he's not... No one at FSG is particularly popular. With, you know, if you go, go online, I think it's it's difficult because... At the end of the day, they've they've made an offer that was going to be a British record offer, and had the player been willing to go, I'm pretty sure he'd be a Liverpool player by now. But at the same time, they have got to you know 14th of August, and Liverpool are still sort of short. They're still looking for not just players to flesh out the squad, but players to go straight into the starting eleven, and that does add to, that does bring scrutiny, it does bring criticism, it does bring questions as to how well the club have planned. For you know eventualities, and okay, you might not, you might say that you can't imagine Saudi Arabia money just arriving out of nowhere and taking Fabinho and Jordan Henderson from the, from the squad, but you can also say that well, they were both in I would say in reverse in in their careers. Jordan Henderson was in his mid thirties or approaching his mid thirties. You knew that Naby Keita, James Milner, Alex Oxley Chamberlain, Roberto Firmino contracts were all coming to an end. You knew that you weren't going to keep Arthur Mello. Where was the sort of, you know, the succession plan in there to have someone to come in that could take over from a Fabinho and from a Henderson? And, you know, you would hope that Liverpool rectify that in the closing weeks of the, the, the window. It's going to be difficult. And, I'm, you know, I'm not entirely convinced they're going to do it, but you would hope that they'll be at least trying very hard to do so. But you would also say that it shouldn't have come to this, really. They should have had ducks in a row a lot earlier, whether that was last summer, whether it was January, whether it was the day the window opened this summer in terms of getting in that defensive midfielder that was going to compete with to start with Fabinho, eventually take over. The fact that they've left themselves in this position means they're open to criticism and I, I wouldn't, um, you know, while I think it's sometimes it can be a bit excessive and a bit sort of overly, you know, um, what's the word, cynical, I think, in this case, it's pretty fair. Liverpool have left themselves with a lot to do and not much time to do it. Yeah, well, no, as I said, I don't think there's, there's too many who maybe will disagree that there, there, some criticism is aimed, but obviously it is quite a volatile place on social media at times when you mention them. And if, if we just finish off with, with one other man, Jürgen Klopp, um, I feel for him a little bit. Obviously, he's getting fired quotes from six years ago saying you can't spend the 100 mil player when no, everyone's forgetting what we've seen this summer, never mind just in the progression over that time. And as, you, as I said before, you know, Jude Bellingham's deal, I think, will will be looked at as a bargain in about five years' time. And before we, we were priced out of that move at the start of the summer because of how crazy the market's gone. 
Uh, he spoke to yeah, again. I'm not really, I really. I can only write these names. I can't say them. But Yannick Fjortoft, I think from via play. Um, yeah. He spoke to him yesterday after the match, and I think Klopp basically said, "You know, we've got a good team now. We're going to have a good team at the end of the transfer market. You just got to, again, pretty much what he said earlier, just just stick with us, and, and something will happen." But it was really out of character for him to speak about Moises Caicedo before you know we, we'd seen him sign in the dotted line, and you can see when he starts the press conference, he looks over to his right to to get advice. Am I allowed to say this? And his advice was, "Yeah, we can say we've agreed a deal," and it's. I just feel like he's been made to look quite bad in the fact he's he's sat there and he's he's had to announce a Caicedo deal that we all obviously thought was happening and then it's all kind of fell back on him. Do you know how he feels with this whole situation and how confident do you think he'll be that we are gonna sort this in, in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, well I mean firstly he didn't he didn't announce the Caicedo deal in in the sense of he you know, he he was very clear, wasn't he? He said we've got an agreement with the club. Um, not with the player, and he said, "I don't want agreements. I want the player." So, he, you know, he, he was—he sounded that that note of caution, which I don't think he looked stupid. Sort of, he didn't—he he certainly wasn't coming in saying, "Hey, what about that guy's Moises Caicedo, Liverpool player?" But you bet you didn't think we'd do that. You know, he wasn't. There wasn't that air of triumphalism. In fact, he was quite downplaying of it. So, I don't think he—I don't think he was made to look stupid there. It was probably. You know, he'd rather not have been doing a press conference at that point. I think he'd rather have been doing it once he knew exactly what what the the, the direction of travel was from from the player. Um, but he was a beat. I mean, I I don't I don't have press conference. I don't actually done a breakout after it. Where, where, you know, you go into a side room and, and speak to him for for the newspapers, and he was he, he certainly doesn't give the impression of someone who's you know he's frustrated or is is at his wit's end or you know given up on on the season. He was. He was laughing and joking. He was he was pretty friendly, you know. He was he made some points that you know about the the the, the need for a midfielder, but also the, the the faith that he's got in some of the other midfielders. And obviously, there's still two two or three that you know haven't yet had the chance, you know, in terms of Bajetic, Thiago, back fit. So I know I know they're not sort of they're not going to change the world, but they'll they'll certainly make it a little bit easier if they're, if they're both fit and available. They're both good players and they're both players who are capable of starting games and making impacts in games for Liverpool. So he was quite upbeat about them. He's not stupid and he, he knows that we're not stupid. You know, he knows that there's a clear gap in the in the squad. There's a clear gap. You know, you lose you lose your captain, okay. You might say he's 33 and, you know, he wasn't playing well, okay. But if you lose, you, you're holding midfielder, you're starting holding midfielder and, you know, you're looking... Uh, yesterday and he plays, doesn't he? Fabinho, he starts that game yesterday if he's if he's available for Liverpool. Um, so you lose him and you don't replace him. Then of course there's a gap. He knows that. I think he's a little bit bewildered as we all are by some of the the deals that are going on in the in the market and some of the prices the the clubs are, are quoting for players. I mean, just this weekend we've seen Caicedo hundred million plus. We've seen in January Enzo Fernandez hundred million plus. We've just seen Harry Kane go with a year on his contract when he's thirty for you know hundred million. We've seen Declan Rice go for a hundred million. So I think he is a little bit bewildered by the sort of the level it's got to. But I think there's an acceptance, and he, he said it himself, didn't he? You know that that's just the way the world is now. You've got to you've got to get on board with it, or you'll just look stupid. And Liverpool have shown, haven't they, that they you know, albeit unsuccessfully, they're willing to stump up that kind of money for the right player, and uh, hopefully they can find. The next right player or two in the next seventeen, eighteen days. Yeah, I think it's it's been the same conversation, hasn't it, for a, for a long time. But you know, obviously, time is running out. But 
yeah. time is also running out for our chat today. Yeah, that was good. That was nice. uh, so we've had we've had Neil Jones here with us today. Uh, make sure you follow his work on his, on his great Substack. We just keep everyone updated with what's going on at Liverpool and beyond. It's uh, neiljsubstack.com. Uh, and obviously you can follow him on Twitter as well, Neil Jones Goal. And yeah, just thanks again for watching watching this Empire Cup. Normally Farrell's here, it's a bit smoother this, but we'll just say that here. Thanks for thanks for coming along. You can uh, watch this on YouTube. If you have watched us on YouTube, then make sure you give it a like, subscribe, all that type of stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll also have the audio on our Substack, which you know after you've read Neil's, come and have a look at ours is EmpireTheCop.substack.com. Uh, you've been listening to the Empire of the Cop Insider. Thank you very much. And you know, two weeks to go. Let's see where we end up. But hopefully, it ends positively. <laughs> Thanks very much. Bye bye.